are Fusion Church located in Fishkill, New York. Welcome to our podcast. We are deeply passionate about reaching people with the gospel and seeing lives changed. Thank you for joining us today. We pray this message will inspire you and bring you hope. Enjoy. Hey, welcome everybody. My name is Pastor Armando. I'm super pumped and excited to uh, jump into the final part of our message series entitled Miss the Boat with you today. So uh, if it's your first time joining us today online in person or podcast and uh, you missed the boat on the other messages, you can go back to our message library. But this is probably the culmination, one of the probably the most important messages in uh, this series. And I believe that God has something for you uh, as you're listening in and tuning in. Uh, I don't believe it's a mistake that you're here for this message. Just, this whole message series is really designed to help us to learn how to deal with those moments in life where you and I have missed the boat, where we feel like there are things we said yes to that we shouldn't have, things we said no to that we should have. Mistakes were made, and so many of us live life with those mistakes constantly haunting us. And this message series is really discovering what the Bible has to say so that you and I can live in freedom. And that's really what Jesus promised you, that you can live a life of freedom and live life abundantly, right? Where you can be completely set free. Scripture promises is that the one who Jesus sets free, he is free indeed. No more constraints, no more limitations uh, on them. You can live that life of freedom that you and I so want, right? We go through this life oftentimes desiring uh, something to fill us and make us whole. And we try different things in life and nothing ever really seems to add up. No matter what we uh, succeed in, no matter what we uh, get, right? Things we might buy or purchase, right? At some point when the excitement, the honeymoon wears off, right? We're left like, oh, that didn't do it for me. And how many of you know that only God can fill that God-sized hole in your heart, right? So we're going to discover today uh, how this applies to your life, how it applies to my life. And if you're new to this message series and you go back to our message library, what you're going to discover is that we, uh, in this message series, we jumped into missing the boat with God. So many of us feel that way, right? We've missed the boat with God. I've been to church and I never made that decision. Or you know what? I followed Jesus for a season, but then I, I fell away, right? I missed the boat with God. And how do I find my way back? We've also talked about missing the boat in relationships, right? Married, dating, kids, parents, friends, siblings. We hurt one another, said and did some things I wish I could take back, right? Like you wish you could reel it back in. And uh, what does the Bible say about that? How to get free, right? And then last week, Pastor Angel walked us through missing the boat and life uh, moments and life's direction and how to get back on track and realigning yourself with God's purpose for your life, right? So you guys wanna go back, listen to all of that. I think it's gonna be life-giving for you. Uh, but today, we're gonna talk about missing the boat on self, right? One of the saddest things in life is that you and I live our whole lives and we miss the boat on our and what I mean by that, this is not a humanistic existential message. You see, God has a purpose for your life. God has a plan for your life. That is to build his kingdom. It's to do great and amazing things. It's to be a blessing for everyone you encounter in life. And so many of us miss the boat on self because we give up on selves. We say things like, hey, you know what? I'm never gonna get over this addiction. I'm an addict for the rest of my life. Man, we define ourselves by the things we've done, right? And we wear these labels 
that don't build us up, they tear us down, they break us down. And, and we, we, we go through life feeling rejected and then we self-reject. And then what we do with all of that interior pain is we project it out into the world. That's what we do, right? We project that into relationships and it damages our relationships. It, it damages uh, where we're at in life. But, but all of that, right? All of that goes back to a core. And at the core of all of these moments in life where we've kind of given up on ourselves, right? We've, we've just accepted um, settling for less and self-sabotage. At the core of it is always your thoughts. Always your thoughts. You see, thoughts have real power. Scripture says this, Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, not Psalm, Proverbs 23, 7, for as a man thinketh, so he is. So, so what are you saying here, God, right? As we open up his word and we realize that it says as a man thinks he is, are, God, are you really saying that my life is gonna follow my most compelling thoughts? That as I think, my life will fulfill the prophecy of my thoughts, right? Self-fulfilling prophecy, right? We don't mean it in a biblical prophetic sense. Like, so when I think bad about me, I treat myself bad. When I think poorly about me, I'm gonna treat myself poorly and others. I'm gonna project that into my relationships. You see, and we miss the boat on ourselves all the time. Uh, And it starts with our negative thinking, right? As a man thinks, he is. So if you don't like the outcomes of your life, you gotta go back and diagnose what the cause is, right? The outcomes are symptoms, the cause is thoughts, the cause is beliefs in your mind and in your heart, right? Our thinking. The other area is, uh, man, we self-sabotage ourselves all the time. We miss the boat when we can't let go of the past. Like I did some things. Guys, God wants you to turn your back on your past. If you've brought it to God, what does the word of God say, right? He is faithful and just to forgive those of their sins. So when we go to God and we say, God, would you forgive me for my sins, the things I've done? Scripture says he remembers it once he forgives you through Jesus Christ. He remembers it no longer. It's as far as east is from west, that constant continuum. Like not only is it away from God, the things you've done in your past, it's constantly being propelled from God because he chooses in his sovereignty not to believe it. And you have to walk away from your past. So many of us say, God, forgive me, but I'm gonna live here. God, forgive me, but I'm gonna hold on to this, right? And what God is saying is, is if you want freedom in your life, you gotta fix your thoughts. Scripture says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ, which means most of your thoughts are not obedient to Christ and you need to wage some war in the spiritual realm and in the cognitive realm to align your thoughts with truth. Because if your thoughts aren't aligned with truth, then we're gonna find the outcome of that in in our lives, right? So many of us, we miss the boat when we hold on to resentment and bitterness and we don't forgive. And what ends up happening, that starts in the thoughts and we we recite and we meditate on and we think about and we rehearse how we've been hurt by people in our lives. And when we do that, the resentment and bitterness just grows, becomes a spiritual cancer. Uh, We miss the boat when we reject ourselves. We miss the boat when we put up walls in relationships. Guys, your thoughts matter. And if you're missing the boat on yourself, the origin is always in your thoughts and in your beliefs. If, if you feel like, man, I don't like the outcomes of my life, I don't like the outcomes of my relationships, that's symptoms. The origin is your thoughts and my thoughts. But how many of you know that we serve a God who gives us a plan, right? He gives us a journey with a map to finding out how to have freedom of thoughts, and we're gonna discover that today. So how big is this issue, right? So uh, here's a recent study by the National Science Foundation, and this is what they discovered. So they pulled a whole bunch of people, and what they discovered is the average person has 12,000 to 50,000 thoughts a day. 
Let's, let's say that again. That was mind-boggling. I didn't want to even accept that because I'm just a guy. And sometimes when I sit down, there's like literally nothing going on in my mind. So I'm like, I wasn't part of that poll. But what the study showed is that most people have 12,000 to 50,000 thoughts a day. And out of all of those thoughts, 80%, say that with me, 80%, 8, 0%, right? 80% of your thoughts have a negative bent to them. They're actually negative thoughts, right? So, so just think of the, the power of your thoughts. So out of all of my 12,500 to 50,000 thoughts, I have a day, 80% of them are negative? Guys, this is the, the number one thing that leads to depression and to anxiety in our lives and to false beliefs. And you have two options when it comes to thoughts. I'm either gonna be in, in alignment with it and experience the, the full outcome of those thoughts when I release them in my life, because I'm in agreement with it. Or I'm gonna reject certain thoughts and I'm gonna adopt other thoughts. Guys, there is a choice in that. 12,000 to 50,000 thoughts every single day and 80% of them are negative. And what they discovered is that the uh, foundation for many of those thoughts, right? The, the foundation for m- many of those thoughts that come from seven major categories in your life. Regrets of the past, right? We talked about that in one of our messages. Fear of the future. Unhealthy comparisons where we compare ourselves or others against someone else who we just happen to deem as better, right? They're more successful. They accomplish more. Their grass is greener. Guys, their grass is only greener because it's perspective. When you're looking at it from an angle from your side of the fence, it looks better. But when you're in their lawn, you're going to realize they have weeds as well. They may have different weeds, but they got weeds you don't want nonetheless, right? Uh, unhealthy comparisons, blame, that when we blame others for the challenges or circumstances in our lives, it keeps us emotionally stuck. Projected past pain, that's where some people in our past have hurt us, and then we grab that pain that wounds the things that we've concluded back there, and we project it forward into current relationships, and we use that as a filter. So when somebody says or done something, and it reminds me of what they did, even though they're innocent, I treat them as if they're doing the same offense, right? So it keeps us stuck. Um, Our self-beliefs and beliefs about others. So those are the seven major sources of where all of our negative thinking comes from. And the way the brain is wired is that we develop what's known as a negative bias. What's a negative bias? A negative bias is the way your brain naturally leans, right? So before man fell into sin, We didn't know sin. We didn't have negativity. But when man fell into sin, our whole condition did. And what we developed is what science now calls a negative bias. And it's that we have lost some control over our thoughts. It can be regained in faith with the truth of God, but but man has lost that. And a negative bias simply is this, that if you have two things going on in your life, one is negative, one is positive. Both are happening simultaneously and they're happening with the same intensity. Your brain will focus on the negative thing that's happening and not the positive thing that's happening. And when negative things happen in our lives, the negative bias dictates that we're gonna magnify that. Remember a few messages back, we shared that what you focus on, you magnify in your life. What you look at is what has your time, attention, and your focus. You actually grow, it's like water. What I I place my eye on what I store my heart in, what I focus my mind on. I literally water that seed of negativity and it grows in my life. And, and that's what a negative bias is. And it really is a thought disease. Think about it from this perspective. If 80% of all of our thoughts every day are a negative bias, it's only going to make me sick. 
It's only going to lead to depression. It's only going to lead to anxiety. And this is what it looked like for us. Jomri and I have been married 23 years. Um, but when we first got married, when I was a very young believer, you know, I got married as a believer. I actually became a follower of Jesus a few months before our marriage. Um, you know, I was still a hot mess. I'm still a hot mess, but not as much as I was before, you know. And, um, you know, we would have a negative bias that I never knew was a negative bias. This is what it sounds like. Jomarie and I were a young couple. If she or I got upset, let's say we're having this great weekend, right? We're going out, we're spending time together, we're having fun. Then all of a sudden, Sunday afternoon comes and she or I say something that triggers the other person and it puts one of us in a bad mood. Do you know what the response would often be? Oh, Joe Marie, why'd you do that? It's Sunday afternoon and you know what? You ruined the whole weekend. <laughs> like, I'm sure some of you have said that, right? You're having a great day. Everything's going well and you're driving home and you get that phone call from one of your kids and they're like, Mom, I didn't do my chores just preparing you. Mom, I failed a test. Mom, I got into a fight. Mom, I broke the window. And you're like, man, my whole day is ruined. It's a negative bias. Your whole day is great. My whole weekend was great. But something happened Sunday afternoon. And when it happened Sunday afternoon, somehow I allowed that to contaminate the whole weekend. Right? So let's understand, the, now that I've worked through this a little bit and I've matured a little bit, I've done some, some of the hard work, that's not how it goes anymore. If something happens, let's grab that same scenario today, let's fast forward it from our early marriage to 23 years later. If we're having a great weekend and Joe Marie uh, says something that triggers me on a Sunday afternoon, I don't say you ruined the whole weekend. This is what I say. Man, we had a great weekend. We just had a really bad moment. How can we repair that moment? Guys, I don't know about you, but you are too valuable. You are too valuable. I'm too valuable to give up like all the blessings I have because of a bad or a toxic moment that you might experience in life. Like, you know what? I'm not going to lose my blessings because of my focus. I'm going to change my focus so that I can celebrate my blessings. And, and why is this important? It's important because as a man thinketh, a man is. Why is it important? Because your life will flow out of your thoughts and the primary way you miss the boat on yourself. All the troubles that we have in life, many of them, the majority of them, start in our heart and in our thoughts first, right? Proverbs 4.23 says this, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flows springs of life, vigilance. You know what vigilance means? Give careful watch or attention for possible danger. What scripture is telling you is keep an eye on your thoughts and be on the lookout because danger is going to come. And if you protect your thoughts, if you protect you from your thoughts, what you choose to think about, what you choose to meditate on, what you choose to dwell in, if you are good with, and you're vigilant about it, and you keep those negative thoughts away, you've grabbed those thoughts, you've made them obedient to Christ, you're gonna be blessed. Man, living waters are gonna spring from your life. But if you're not vigilant, and you allow negative thoughts to attack you, to go under your radar, man, if you allow that, you're gonna experience the full weight of consequence of your thoughts. Many of the way that we feel today is the consequence of thoughts you permit in your life. Guys, we gotta own that. Like the way we feel today, if you don't like your outcomes, if you don't like your feelings, if you don't like you, if you're tired of beating yourself up, right? All that stuff is happening in your life and you're like, I don't want it. It's the outcome of your thoughts. Jesus actually takes us a step further and he exposes, he teaches us 
that our words are an amazing indicator of what is actually happening deep inside your soul. This is what Luke 6.45 says. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. What Jesus is telling you is the things you are creating in your life, they've started in your heart first. Be careful about what you say, what you speak in your mind, right? Through the thoughts that you allow and permit and what you speak out of your mouth. It's actually a litmus test. You could actually assess your heart and your mind by paying attention to your thoughts and the words that come out of your mouth. So if you're saying things like, man, you know, uh, not good enough, I'm not loved, nobody loves me, nobody appreciates me, people turn their back on me, right? People don't like me, right? You're saying stuff like that, I'll never succeed, I'll never be good enough, I'll never conquer this addiction. When you start, I mean, saying all this stuff, I'm actually feeling negative right now. Like, I actually felt a physiological shift of negativity, even though I'm not owning it, and I'm giving it out as an illustration, I'm feeling the shift. You see, when you do that, it creates outcomes in your life. And Jesus is saying, you can actually assess where your heart is, what's happening deep in your soul through the symptoms that come out of your thoughts and out of your words. One of the most tragic things in life is to be sick and not even know it, to have this thought disease that will sabotage you, that will steal from you. And so many of us, we just run from it. We deny it. We, we don't want to deal with it. It's completely uncomfortable. And the reality is you'll live with a thought disease the rest of your life that actually keeps you from freedom. Guys, it's entirely possible. It is possible to know Jesus as the Lord and Savior of your life. To be saved, you're going to spend eternity with God, but to continue to live your life in dysfunction. The problem is with dysfunction when we live in it long enough and we permit it and we deny it and some of us even protect it. You stop seeing it as dysfunction and it just starts to feel normal in your life. You see, choosing to live a life of health is a courageous commitment that is challenged with every thought and every reaction in your life. But, but I'm believing that by faith, you could step out in faith today and say, Jesus, would you heal me? Jesus, would you help me get my thoughts in line with your word? Lord God, I know that there's freedom in you, that you came to set the captives free. You know Jesus came to set the captives free? So many of you have been living in prison, emotional prison, spiritual prison, thought prison, and Jesus came to set you free. All you gotta do is grab hold of him. Jesus came to resurrect the dead. Some of you feel like, man, I'm spiritually dead. I used to be alive. I used to go to church, and I felt the presence of God in my life, but today I I feel beaten up by life. And how many of you know Jesus came to resurrect your soul? He came to bring life where there's death. He, pr- he came to bring healing where there's, where there's sickness. You see, one of the greatest miracles, right? We're all looking for a miracle. One of the greatest miracle killers in your life, one of the greatest hindrances to your miracle is the avoidance of what you need to face. Would you pray with me right now as we jump into a biblical story that I believe God has a lot to say to you? Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you manifest yourself to us today? Would you speak to us, God? Show us what we have not been wanting to see for so long. Lord God, you came to set the captives free. I wanna be set free today. I want every person right now who is listening in, in person, podcast or online to be set free today. If you're there and you wanna be set free, just say, God, that's me. Say that in agreement. God, that's me. Let's own it together. God, that's me. Jesus, Speak to us as we receive from you and change us for one encounter with you will change a destiny 
the trajectory of our lives. In your name, Christ Jesus, amen and amen. So we're gonna jump into a story right now of a nameless woman and a dying little girl. Let's go to Mark chapter five. We're gonna jump into verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. The one, then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet in desperation, right? He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter, she's dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet, insist, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she would freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that the power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was speaking, some of the people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just believe. The rest of the story, Jesus continues to walk with Jairus to his home. He pushes everybody out, except for the mom and the dad. He sees the dead little girl. He grabs her by the hand and resurrects her to life. And then he said, the little girl's hungry. Would you feed her? What an amazing story. Jesus surrounded by a crowd. And we see these two amazing miracles. And in that, we can miss a very important point, right? Can't we? Sometimes when we're surrounded by a crowd, we get caught up and we miss the details, right? And the story. The truth is Jesus is surrounded by probably hundreds, maybe thousands, right? Seems like many of the crowds that follow Jesus are around were, were, were thousands, many of thousands, right? So let's just say he's surrounded by hundreds or thousands. And in the story, all as we hear about is two healings. Why? Why do we only hear about two healings when Jesus is completely surrounded by a crowd? You see, not everybody in the crowd actually knows Jesus. Not everybody in the crowd will even be healed by Jesus. Church can be that way sometimes. Sometimes we can go to church, we can go to Bible study, we can do all the right things. We can be part of the crowd and yet not know Jesus. You see, what was the miracle trigger here? Two people got healed where everyone else was just a crowd. The miracle trigger, what enacted the miracle was that these are two people that were like, man, I'm so desperate right now. Man, I got no other options right now. I'm gonna reach out and I'm gonna grab Jesus's attention. Jesus, I have a need. Jesus, I need a cure. Jesus, I need a miracle in my life. You see, Jesus responds to faith. For some of us, we're looking for a miracle that's not gonna happen because we're, we're happy just being part of the crowd. But what, 
Why these people were blessed is because they got up out of the crowd and they grabbed hold of Jesus and they said, God, I'm not letting you go until I get blessed. You see, they were blessed. They they received healing and raising from the dead because they grabbed hold of Jesus. Don't settle for the crowd at the expense of grabbing hold of Jesus, right? The saddest thing for a believer is to be lukewarm. The saddest thing for a believer is to live deceived, that we have the appearance of holiness. I go to church, I go to Bible study, I sign up to serve, but I never, never, never give Jesus my pain. I never, ever give Jesus that thing I don't wanna face, but I want the healing, I want the miracle, I'm sick and tired of living this way, feeling this way, because I gave up on myself so long ago. I'm sick of it, but I'm too afraid to face it. So you know what, I'm gonna settle for just being part of the crowd. You see, when you're part of the crowd, the healing doesn't come. You gotta get up out of the crowd and say, you know what, I'm so desperate right now, I'm gonna press in. So many of us despise our desperation. So many of us despise that moment of humility, but you gotta recognize that when you fall off the mountaintop and you find yourself in the depth of the valley, that the valley is actually a vehicle. The valley of pain is a vehicle that is supposed to humble us because when we're feeling like we got this, it's my show, I'm good. When we live that way, we feel like we don't need God. And some of us settle for believing in God while not knowing God, right? So we settle and then we fall off that mountain. Thank God we find ourselves in a valley of pain and suffering, but the vehicle brings us to meet God. You see, when we humble ourselves and we realize I'm not good enough in myself, I can't make it in myself. I can't fabricate a miracle that doesn't originate with me. So I need to run. I need to run to someone who can, someone who will. I need to run to the maker, creator of heaven and earth the one who gave me a soul and a spirit and a body who willed me into existence, the one who loves me. And scripture says that nothing and no one can take me from the palm of his hand, the one who sacrificed himself for me. He gave up so much and it's in that vehicle of desperation that I meet God. It's when I've tried everything else. I've ran everywhere else and it didn't work. And now I'm in the valley and I look to God and he works, and he changes, and he heals, and he fixes, and he brings life where there's death, and he brings morning where there's darkness, and he brings the light into the sky. It's Jesus who brings hope. Don't despise your place of desperation. You see, growth only comes through pain. Growth only, say only, growth only comes through pain. By the way, so does maturity, right? Your desperation is the birthing ground for miracles. Don't despise a desperate position. Understand where you're at. So many of us also look at the crowd and we we believe some bad things about Jesus, right? Oh, he's preoccupied. Jesus is busy with them. He has no time for me. You know how you know you felt this way before? You, You look at other Christians and you're like, I want what they got. Man, I wanna, I wanna feel what they feel with God. Man, they say that they hear from God. I ain't never heard from God. Man, they hear the voice of God. I ain't never heard the voice of God. Sure you did. We've all heard the voice of God. It's right here, right? And he does confirm things in the spirit, but God speaks to us differently. So many of us look at other people and we settle for the crowd as opposed to reaching out. Imagine if Jairus, the synagogue leader, never pleaded, never fell on his knees before Jesus and would have settled for being part of the crowd. He would have just had two stories to tell. My daughter died and my miracle walked past me. The woman with the condition of blood so desperate broke her way through the crowd to grab hold. She could have settled for being part of the crowd. A nameless woman that nobody 
would have associated with. She could have settled for that. and She would have had a story. I continue to hurt today or worse. And Jesus just walked by. You see, it's the person in the crowd who reaches out and grabs hold. You got a choice. You want a different life. You want a new beginning. You want a future. It comes with you putting your faith into action and you got to get up out of the crowd, right? So when Jesus comes, is he going to be grabbed by you? And the question is, are, are you asking for Jesus to touch you today? Are you like, God, would you minister to me? There's this thing in my life I, I haven't been dealing with. It's so hard to face what I've done in my marriage. It's so hard to face what I've done in my finances. It's so hard to face what happened to me as a kid. And the things that I believe about me, they're so horrible. Like, I don't even want to talk about it. Like, what area of your life are you now acknowledging that I need Jesus to come? I need him to come here. And I need him to walk in front of me so that I can grab hold. How many of you know Jesus is here right now? It is not a mistake that God is speaking this message into your life and into my life, right? The word is sharper than any double-edged sword. It cuts spirit and marrow and it, and it leaves truth. And this is a truth that you and I desperately need to grab hold, get up out of the crowd and grab hold of God. So Jesus is on his way to Jairus' house. Let's go back to that woman real quick. We're gonna go back to verse 24. A large crowd followed and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. Man, this woman was so desperate. Let's just stop there, 12 years of bleeding. In this time of history, under the old covenant, in this culture, she was ceremonially unclean. Technically, she shouldn't even have been near the crowd. Because she was ceremonially unclean, she didn't have access to her family. They kicked her out of the town. She literally could not live in her home right? Being unclean, no one can touch her. So it's not like a family member can go up to her, give her a hug, hello. Like it was like, I can't touch you because if I touch you, I'll be unclean. And if I'm unclean, I get kicked out of the town. Like she was like seen as a leper. Like nobody wanted to touch her, be around her. The woman was living in such extreme poverty, only being able to sustain herself by the crumbs she found on the ground. The woman had nothing. She spent everything she had and didn't get well, but worse. This woman was destitute. This woman in scripture, we don't even see a name. She wasn't even known by a name. So many of us wear the labels of our past and our life. She was just known as the woman with the condition of blood. How many of you know what it's like to feel like, man, I don't have a name. My name is my label. Not good enough, not smart enough, never measuring up. You're, you're an addict. You're never gonna get well. You're an adulterer. You're never gonna get the forgiveness you need. You broke up your family. Like we wear those things. And we lose our name and we lose our identity and we take on the identity of the things we've done. And that was the situation of this woman. She was so desperate, verse 26, and she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak because she thought, say thought, thoughts have power. If I just touch his clothes, faith, I will be healed immediately. Say immediately. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from suffering. You see, when you're hurting, running to the wrong people and the wrong things always makes you worse. See, that's a tendency, right? That, that bent we have towards sin. When you're hurting, when you're dealing with your past, so many of us put the past under the carpet and we spend our lives trying to run from it. The problem is the things you're running from just follow you. 
for, for so many who have drug addiction, alcohol addiction, sex addictions, eating addictions, like these are traumas in your life and in my life that we're not dealing with. And let's just be honest, I can't say all the addictions in the world, but every single person that is hearing this message has struggled with a life controlling behavior or habit at some point as a counterfeit in dealing with and coping with the pain and the things you don't wanna deal with in your life. Some people, when they feel lonely, they do things they shouldn't do. When they feel anxiety, they do things they shouldn't do, right? We're trying to cope, we're trying to survive. Like this woman, how many of us have ran to the wrong people, to the wrong things, and instead of getting better, you and I get worse. See, when you're hurting, running to wrong people and wrong things, always makes things worse. I, I wanna share with you a, a story by this guy named Jason Lee. Jason Lee was a 22-year-old who had it all, like literally all of it. Somehow he accomplished all of his life dreams by 22. Some of us would look at him and say, that's awesome because, hey, I'm 70 years old and I have regrets. I wish I would have done the things that I wanted to do. And this 22-year-old feels like he did, but how many of you know that realization could also be a curse? And we see it all the time in Hollywood, don't we? One of the scariest moments in life is when you think, if I can just accomplish that, I'll have everything I need and want and I'll be whole as a person. And the scary moment happens is when you accomplish that and you get it like many people in Hollywood, they have all the money in the world, all the possessions in the world, and yet when they look in the mirror, they're empty inside and that's why their relationships are toxic. That's why they turn to drug addiction and alcohol and their lives are a complete mess because in the end, you could attain the best of what the world has to offer and then you realize without God, you have absolutely nothing. And that's where this young Jason Lee was, 22 years old. He had the money, he had the career. He even says he had the girl. He had it all except wholeness in his heart. He was left completely empty. Check out his story. This poem, Invictus, I am the master of my fate. I'm the captain of my soul. That was my life. Here I am, 22 years old. I got the job, I got the money, I got the girl, I got the friends. I got everything that I wanted. I've reached it. Pretty high opinion of myself. I thought that I was a good person. Total freedom. I was happy. But at the same time, I was empty. Something was wrong. It shouldn't be this way. I was like, you know what? Let me just go back to church. I haven't been to church in years. And I had such an awful attitude. I mean, I was slouched down and I was, my arms crossed. And it's like, okay, what, is, what does this church have to do with me? Performance is never good enough. Collapsing privately. When you have that kind of narrative, there's no room for joy. I didn't have strong friendships, completely isolated. Something was dying. I didn't know who I was. That's where I found God. He was waiting for me. I think he had to take me to my hardest moments because that's when he's like, this is the Jason who I've been waiting for. 
now let's get to work. That's when God really started this excavation process in my life. He was upending so much. The most beautiful thing that I've learned through this whole process is really figuring out who I am becoming. Not what I'm doing. It's not arriving to some sort of place. It's it's being loved right now where I'm at with no expectations. Um, being fully known and fully accepted. Can't we all relate to Jason's story? Can't we all relate to what he felt in that moment of complete emptiness? Some of you are feeling that way today. And what you gotta recognize is for too long, you have missed the boat on yourself. Today is a new day. You have a new opportunity to make a new decision. And what we see that happened in Jason's life is he had a big perspective shift. He had a, a 180, if you will, on what he believed about himself and life and it shifted toward what the word of God has to say about you and about me and about life. And here's the problem when we get caught in these thought traps. Remember what Jesus taught us. Jesus taught us from the mouth indicates what's happening deep down in your soul. We have to learn to listen to the things we say so we can diagnose the problems in our lives. You see, the problem with holding on to false narratives is that it may not be reality, but it becomes your reality. See, when you believe the lies, you propagate the lies, you rehearse and recite and retell yourself the stories of what happened to you that you haven't healed from, you're gonna see that manifest in all of the relationships in your life and those behaviors and those words are an indicator of what's happening deep within your soul. You see, the problem is we have repetitive themes that play out, but our brains literally cannot tell the difference between the things we fabricate and the things that are real in our lives. I'm gonna say that again, our, our, literally our brains can't tell the difference between what is real, right, and what is fabricated. You know, there was a recent study that was done by the University of Chicago, and the, uh, the, the recent study, they grabbed a whole bunch of people, and they said, hey, we're gonna break you up into three groups. The first group, uh, let's all shoot baskets, right? So they, they, they set the stage for how everybody plays and they were all newbies, nobody knew how to play. And then they broke them up into, into three groups and they said, the first group, we want you to practice basketball uh, one hour a day for the next 30 days, right? Like get out on the court and just, just shoot, right? One hour every day for the next 30 days. The second group's gonna be our control group. We don't want you to do anything. We don't want you to think about basketball. We don't want you to play basketball. And then the third group, we want you to practice basketball every day for one hour for the next 30 days, but only practice it in your mind. Do not practice it on the court. Don't do anything physical. Just sit there and just for one hour, shoot hoops. So after 30 days, they were all invited back. In the first group who had been practicing uh, every day for one hour for 30 days, they had a 24% increase in their uh, ability to play. Like they got better, a 24% increase. That's amazing, in 30 days. The control group, there was no marked increase or decrease. They still stunk, right? There was zero, zero gain, zero loss, like you just stink. But the, 
The interesting thing that they discovered is what happened with the third group. The third group, if you remember, they did not play physically. They played in their mind. They wrote narratives and stories of them shooting hoops. And as they shot for an hour in their mind every week, they thought about their form. They thought about uh, how they would play, their, their shooting, all of that. And when it got real at the end of 30 days and they went back to be retested, they actually increased their ability to play by 23%. So the first group who, pre- who played physically, they increased 24%. The group who just played in their mind increased in ability by 23%. Why? Because the brain cannot tell the difference. You, this is illustrated again when we talk about little kids, right? When you watch a movie, a scary movie as a little kid, kids are frightened, they're terrified. Why? Because the younger you are, the more real you think this experience was. Your brain only tells one narrative. This is completely real. I'm terrified. And even though it's not real, it becomes real for that child, right? Because the brain can't distinguish. But as you get older and you watch scary movies, you compartmentalize and you say, wow, that movie was terrifying. That was scary but I know it was fake. So I have two narratives playing. And for me to emotionally walk away from that scary movie and and be well, I'm gonna focus in on the fact that it was fake. It was story, it was narrative. So my brain buys into that. So I'm not living a life controlled by fear. You see, the problem is if 80% of our thoughts are constantly negative, think of the reality that we are missing the boat on ourselves 80% of the time. You see, You are the sum total of your thoughts. Your future is the sum total of your thoughts. God wants you to deal with it because the worst thing in the world is to have a spiritual sickness, a thought disease, and not deal with it. You gotta get up out of the crowd and you gotta say, you know what, I want a different life today. You see, don't defer today what you're gonna pay interest on tomorrow. Don't defer today what you're gonna pay interest on tomorrow. Too many of us have lived too long with these issues in our lives. We allow it to persist. God wants today to be the last day you allow 80% of your thoughts to sabotage your life. God does not want you to miss the boat on you. And here's the beauty of the story with the woman of blood. She went to Jesus with what she thought her condition was. I need a physical healing. And it was real and she needed it. But the greater miracle is a spiritual healing that we all receive. You see, she encountered Jesus as a nameless woman but she left with a new name. Let's go to verse 33. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came, fell at his feet, trembling in fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, say daughter, your faith is healed, you go in peace, be freed from your suffering. She may have encountered God as a no one, as a nothing, as completely living in poverty, somebody people wouldn't even have touched or laid their eyes on, completely nameless, defined her identity by her condition, but she left with a name called daughter. And that's what God is saying to you today. No matter where you're at in your season of suffering or pain, Jesus is looking at you right now. And he says, I don't want to define you and I don't define you by the things you've done or the places you've been. Just confess those sins and I'm faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. And you may come to me with a broken identity 
but I give you a new name. And Jesus now looks at you and he says, daughter, and he says, son, and you and I, let's own that for a moment. I am a child of God. Would you say that with me right now? I am a child of God. Say it like you mean it. Own it. I am a child of God. And it's important that you continue to declare that in other biblical truths because what you declare and speak over your life is going to bless you or it's going to curse you. So after Jesus did this amazing miracle in the life of this woman, he continues to the house of Jairus. And you guys know how the story ends. He heals this little girl. Why? Because there were two people who said, I had enough. Jairus, I had enough of where my daughter's at. I can't see her that way. I need to grab hold of Jesus. The woman that says, I had enough. I had enough of living this way, living with this condition, being labeled my, by my disease. Man, I just need to touch Jesus. I just need to reach out. Too many of you are lost in the crowd today. You gotta get up out of the crowd and grab hold and right now have a real moment with Jesus. What is it God wants you to give him? Was it that moment of abuse when you were a kid? Was it that moment where somebody hurt you deeply by the things they said or did in your life? Is it a moment in ministry where you felt rejected and you were pouring your heart and soul into it? Is it within your marriage? God wants to heal it, but you have to give it. If you want a real moment with Jesus right now, what you gotta own, what you gotta say between you and God privately is I'm getting out of the crowd and I'm grabbing hold of Jesus. I'm getting out of the crowd and I'm grabbing hold of Jesus. And when you do that, what we see is an amazing God who loves you. He's for you. He's gonna restore you. He's created you for greatness. He's created you for a purpose. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Too much time has been wasted, but we don't focus on that. We look forward into the future. I no longer wanna be part of the crowd. I wanna stand out and grab hold. I wanna wrestle with God like Jacob wrestled with God. I, wanna, I want this moment to be real. I wanna walk away different and changed. Grab hold. No longer settle for where our thoughts and our words bring us. Let our thoughts and our words expose where our heart is and what is sick within us. And then we're gonna give that to God in faith. If you want that this morning, would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Jesus, you, we know that you're walking amongst us, God. You're with us right now. Right now, Lord God, in faith, we reach out and we grab hold, Lord God, of you with confidence and full assurance that you healed then, you heal today, and you heal tomorrow. Lord Jesus, just, just speak a word over our lives. Just, just touch us, God. Make us well. Those areas of my life and their lives that, Lord God, we haven't touched in so long. Lord God, may we not miss the boat anymore on ourselves. Lord God, may we surrender our lives to your purpose, Lord God. Lord Jesus, heal us. Heal your people. Your word says that there's power in the prayers of the righteous. Lord God, today we pray big prayers and big prayers for a big God. Lord God, we believe, Lord God. Lord God, you told us, Jesus, in scripture, not to be overcome with fear, Lord God. But as we stand and we look at the, the season of pain, Lord God, or the valley moment, we know that we don't walk through this valley alone. Lord God, for you are with us, you are for us, Lord God, and we choose this morning to live for you. In your name, Christ Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, walk in God's blessing this week. Hold your thoughts accountable. Don't give the enemy a foothold. Confront the negative thoughts. 
be in alignment with thoughts that are Christ-centered and your week is gonna be blessed. Make sure you join us next week. We're starting a new message series that is gonna be life-changing. God's got so much for you guys. See you soon. We hope you enjoyed our podcast. We have a new message that comes out every week. You can click the link in the description below to follow us on Facebook or Instagram or jump onto our website at fusionchurchny.com for more information. We would like you to be a part of what God is doing at Fusion Church, so please subscribe to our podcast and share it on social media. Make sure you tag us. We want to get to know you and feel free to rate us and leave a review.